So today, we're going to be talking about Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. Our passage is out of Joshua chapter 6, beginning at verse 2. It's up on the screen, if you'll follow with me. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram horn, ram's horns. I'm sorry, this is the worst battle plan in the history of battle plans. <laughs> March around the city, uh, do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, the army will go up, and everyone will go straight in. Great plan. So Joshua, let's start with him. He's an he's a interesting guy. He was one of the faithful ones when they went into the promised land. He went in and he came back and said, yeah, we can do it. And so he became the successor to Moses. He started, at, they, they, he started with, the, with the Israelites in Egypt. He was a slave. So he saw the whole leaving, the, the, the ten plagues, all of that was part of what he saw. And he saw Moses. How cool would this have been? The parting of the Red Sea and the going across. Joshua would have gotten to see that. To wake up in the morning and have manna on the ground to eat. He would have gotten to see that. Moses strikes a rock, water comes. So, so he would have seen lots and lots of miracles, kind of like Elijah. He would have been accustomed to those miracles. And, 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 and God does impossible things often in his, in, in his life. But here's the thing. Just as time can prove God's faithfulness, can also put your faith to the test because Moses was the leader. He got to watch Moses' obedience, and, and the result of that was these miracles. But when they got to Jericho, Moses was gone. It was now Joshua's turn. Am I going to be obedient? Am I going to follow? And then he gets this outlandish instruction on how to fight this battle. I mean, consider, you're in the army. Hey, here's what we're going to do. It's a great plan. God gave it to me. We're going to walk around the city six times, you know, six days in a row. And then on the seventh day, we're going to blow some horns, shout, and then, you know, then magic's going to happen, and we're going to go in. It's kind of crazy, right? It's kind of a crazy battle plan. And what that meant was that Joshua had to, for six days, because they were marching around the city, for six days, he had to go to bed, lay his head down, knowing that the walls hadn't changed at all. The walls were just as big. The walls were still there. And he's, he's being obedient. He's got a whole troop of, he's got an entire people that are marching around this, this city. But what would it have been like, do you think? Because he's a human being, too. And you get this plan, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I go, is it me or is it God? Whose plan is this? And so, six days of kind of having that question. And we don't really have information about that, but we do know that he stayed obedient. He stayed the course. He kept doing what he'd been instructed to do. He led them around a wall that showed no evidence of falling. And that brought me to two questions for us this morning. These are faith questions. Will you keep walking even though it doesn't seem to be working? Around here, you hear me as a, reco as a recovery tenant, but 
but it's a good one, I think, for all of us. Don't quit five minutes before your miracle. You know, it's so often in life we, 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 we plug along and then, and then we just kind of give in and give up. And it might be that if we just take one more step, we'd get there. Don't give up five minutes before your miracle. And the second one, will you keep believing that God is moving even when the wall isn't? That's a tough one, right? It's a tough one. And around here, we've seen a lot of that. We've seen a lot of having to be patient and having to keep putting one foot in front of the other and doing the next right thing as God prepares us for where we are now to take us into the new place that's out there. See, time may be putting our faith to the test, but don't focus on what hasn't happened. Don't focus on what we don't have. Focus on what has happened. Has God ever done something incredible in your life? If he did it once, he will do it again. That's who our God is. He, he's a repeat offender in, in helping us. He, he continues to take us forward. He will do it again. Obedience is our responsibility. Crazy as it was, Joshua kept going around that city because God told him to do it. Obedience is up to us. The outcome is up to God. And that's where we need to lay things is we do what we're called to do and God will do the rest. Now, the interesting thing about the Battle of Jericho that for me this time was that it's a common story, right? We all know and we kind of focus on the seventh day. And for whatever reason, I've been thinking about the first six more than the seventh. And it got me thinking about God's battle plans and maybe some other places in Scripture where God had a unique battle plan. There was this gentleman named Gideon. This is in Judges chapter 6. God sent an angel to speak to Gideon who was gathering wheat. See, Gideon was minding his own business, threshing wheat. And God comes to him and says, hey, I want, there's these Midianites, there's an army, 135,000 of them. I want you to gather an army. He wasn't a soldier. I want you to gather an army and go against the Midianites and, and, and take them out. And after some prodding and some miracles, uh, uh, some dew on a fleece, and then, you know, he had to be, he had, to pro he had God prove himself to him. He said, okay, I'll go. And so he was able to gather men, uh, the men of Israel. He gathered 32,000 men to go against the 135,000 Midianites. And he was probably going, that's not too good of odds, but it's 32,000. But God was, Gideon, I hate to tell you this, but that's too many men because if you win, then you're going to think that that's because of you. And, and if you win, it's because of me. So invite some of them to go home. So he went and he said, okay, if you're a little afraid... Or if you just don't want to fight this battle, go ahead and head on out. And I'm sure Gideon was going, I hope they don't go. I mean, these, you know, I need all these guys. 22,000 of the 32,000 went home. That left him with 10,000. Probably going 10,000 against 135,000. These are not good odds. But God yet again spoke and said, Gideon, you have too many people. So they go to, a, to get a drink, of a, a drink and, and some of the soldiers would lay down on their belly and get a drink. Some would actually be at least a little vigilant and look around as they cupped water up to themselves. And he had him send home those who laid down on their belly, which was all except for 300. So this is his army. 300 to go against 135,000 Midianites. Now Gideon was not pleased by any of this. He was afraid. And so he goes and, 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 
and, and, and he's getting ready for this, and, and he's worried, but God says, go take your servant and go down and listen to the camp. So he goes down to listen in on the Midianite camp. They don't know that he's there. And one of them said that he had a dream that uh, a, a roll of barley was going to come off the hill and, and, and would crush them. Another one had a dream that Vision was, uh, or that Gideon was going to come in and, and destroy the army encampment. So that gave him a little bit of heartening, you know, because at least they were worried. And then he came up with one of those awesome battle plans. 300 soldiers, he got clay pots, lanterns, and trumpets. I'm serious. Clay pots, lanterns, and trumpets to fight 135,000 Midianite men. That's not good. Yeah, Kate's like, that's not good. No, that's, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of out there. This is a, a great battle, another one of those great battle plans. But here's what happened. Gideon said, break your clay pots, blow your trumpets, just... And, and raise your lanterns, and they did, and the Midianites startled, woke up, and started fighting each other, and they killed each other, except for 15,000 that Gideon was able to chase down and capture himself. So it was a battle plan that made zero sense, and God delivered on his promise, right? Because God is faithful. God will always be faithful. And God doesn't seem to be as interested in how strong we are. God seems to be interested more in how faithful we are. Because he's the one who's strong. I got one more. And this one's hopefully familiar to pretty much everybody. There was this shepherd boy. His name was David. And there was this eight-foot giant named Goliath of Gath. And... The shepherd boy went down to just take his lunch to his brothers who were in the army. And, and then he goes down there and he hears Goliath of Gath cursing God, the Israelite God and, and, say, and challenging all the Israelites. He's been doing this for days. And David's like, what's up with this, man? Go. Somebody challenge him. You can, God will do it. Just trust God. None of them would. So David said, I'll do it. And they said, whatever, dude, just keep bringing us lunch. We're good, you know. Um, but eventually he convinced them to let him fight Goliath. So what, what do you think King Saul did? He gave him his armor and said, here's the armor, because this is how we fight. This is how, what makes sense. Put your armor on. This is the warrior gear that we all wear. You need to wear this so that you can fight this battle. So David tries to put it on, and he, you know, he can't move in it. So he lays it aside, and, and what does he do? He goes and gets rocks and a slingshot. Eight-foot giant dude with a pole like this, spear. So, but what happened? Bam, Goliath is dead, cuts off his head, the Israelites win. God uses the faithful. God uses the faithful. And as we look forward here at, at Arbor Point, our viewpoint must be on being faithful. Our focus needs to be on being faithful to God. It may or may not look like the smart thing to do. You know, it may not 
You may, may not even be logical from the human perspective, but is it faithful to God's calling for us, the people at this church? Is it faithful to being a group of imperfect people serving, following the one who is perfect, Jesus? Is it that? If it is, then that's something we need to pursue. It Does it inspire people to fulfill God's calling in their life? Because if it does, we need to be about that, helping lead them from where they are to where God would have them to be, because that's who we need to be. Does it make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world? We need to be doing baptisms and leading people to Jesus in this place, because that's what God wants for us. And if it's in those places, then, then let's get after it. Let's be at West Jackson Elementary School, because we need to be there. There are kids who don't know Jesus. How tragic would it be if nobody showed up to try to help them to understand that there's a God who loves them? And we have a chance. We have a chance. We're invited to participate in an after-school program that reaches hundreds of children every week. We're invited to participate in a, in a mentoring program to, to reach one kid at a time. Just save one, as Justice League tells us. We're starting a special needs ministry, and, and we're invited to participate in that. And, and I, I'm a, I bumped into somebody, I was at an Emmaus meeting, who does um, speech uh, therapy with, with special needs. I'm, I'm bumping into people. Teresa Dearman does, uh, works with deaf. We've got Patty, we've got Kim. People are, things are aligning all over the place to provide for the ministry opportunities that we have. We're starting to celebrate recovery in this place so, so that we can become a recovery resource. One race movement. Grab hold of this. Let's move forward into this. Because, but let's align with who we are so that we can live that out. Because what it looks like on the outside, what it looks like to other people is not impor as important as what it is on the inside. As what it is in here. What your calling is. Live that out. Live into that. And be who you're created to be. Because we want a revival like we have never seen is what we're after. We want revival in this place. But I bet, I get, yeah, amen. Hey, I got an amen. <laughs> I guess I better get back to Joshua or, or you're never going to get out of here. Um, so here's the end game, right? On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak. They marched around the city. Just crazy. Joshua tells them, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So they shout, and the walls come down, and, and they go in, Right? And I know good and well that as Joshua was going around, because I know people, and I know good and well that that army was going around on the seventh day grumbling. They were like, this is completely insane. And yet, they did it anyway. Obedience, following the direction, following what God in, is asking us to do, and then blowing on a trumpet and yelling at a wall. Fall down! <laughs> Didn't work. <laughs> but it works when God is in it. When God wants that to happen, then anything can happen. And a, a lot of it didn't make sense. A lot of those stories don't make sense. But when it comes to faith, that isn't that unusual. It isn't that it needs to make sense because it doesn't. In, in fact, when we're dealing with faith, it, faith it's going to rarely make sense because it's about something beyond ourselves. See, faith is going to tell you to have patience when everything and everyone else in your life is telling you to panic. Faith is going to tell you to hold on when everything and everyone else is saying you need to let go. Faith will tell you to push forward 
when everything and everyone else is saying, no, you need to fall back. But that's not faith. Push forward. Push forward into the places that God is already prepared you to be. See, we want to break walls down in this place. We want walls to fall. We want walls of racism. We want raw walls of separation. We want all, every, anything that gets between us and God. If it's a wall, walls of addiction. Walls, we want walls to come down, but not just for the walls to come down. We want the walls to come down so that we can have a relationship and we can build people up. We want to break walls down so that we can build people up. So we want to be about 